On this week's show, we're going to talk about how to increase service revenue with a diagnostic approach. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get started, I just want to let you non-EGI members know about a great opportunity to start growing your business. Doesn't matter if you're looking to have our, you know, your first million dollars or if you're a larger company going at, you know, 10 plus million. If you have the proven roadmaps to succeed, you're going to get there a heck of a lot faster with our help. I can't imagine what I could have done at my first company if I had access to the tools and resources that the contractor university provides. I mean, you can sit there and beat your head against the wall or you can learn from the top minds in the industry and save all those headaches. If you're interested in jumpstarting your business and growing it the right way, click the join button at the top of this page and you can get 30 days of training free for you and your team at no charge whatsoever. Now, we talk a lot about service technicians diagnosing problems and recommending solutions. This week, we're going to focus on how to get your technicians into that mindset and what the best type of communications are for you to achieve this. We've got some special new content with EGI faculty member James Leichter. James is going to discuss the following. Number one, how to talk to your techs about being techs and not parts changers and also using proper diagnostic tools and the benefits of fixing everything the first time and how often you should have these conversations with your technicians. Hello, I'm James Leichter from EGIA. Today I want to talk to you about how to increase service revenue through a diagnostic approach as opposed to training your service technicians to be salespeople. Now don't get me wrong, I believe service technicians are salespeople. Just like I believe you and I are salespeople. Heck, we're all salespeople. If you're married, you've made at least one sale in your life, right? I think it's really important that all of us be selling ourselves at any given moment. But that's not really my point here. My point is, is how can we get service technicians to do what we want? We want them to do good quality work and we want them to increase revenue. In my view, the best way to do that is to approach them in a service tech way. We talk about better diagnostics. We make them better service technicians and that naturally will increase service revenue. The first thing that you want to do is talk to technicians about being technicians and not parts changers. Nobody wants to be called a parts changer, but our industry is full of parts changers. Now, what's a parts changer? A parts changer is someone who locates a part that doesn't work and changes it out. But that's nothing more than a maintenance man at an apartment complex. You don't want to be a parts changer. You want to be the kind of person who diagnoses this system and determines what could fail, what is about to fail, or what was the root cause of the contactor failure. In other words, the contactor failed, but why? What about voltage? What about amperage? Was it overloaded? Was it the wrong contactor? A parts changer might replace the wrong contactor with a new incorrect contactor. That's a parts changer. A service technician not only discovers what part has failed, but they see the big picture. 
they understand what also could fail or what other systems created the failure that they're looking at or what conditions caused the failure such as low voltage, high amperage, overheated the contactor or was the contactor the correct contactor to begin with. Another example, a parts changer would change out a condensing unit fan motor without giving any thought to whether or not the original fan motor was correct or if the fan blade is correct. It's possible that somebody installed the wrong fan blade and that caused the motor to fail. That could have caused the, the compressor to fail. So a service technician sees the big picture. As service technicians become more into diagnostics, they will automatically, they will naturally increase revenue. They will not see themselves as salespeople. You get what you want, they get what they want. It's a diagnostic approach to increasing service revenue. All right, I'd like to give you a specific example. Let's start with the story of the breaker. I typically tell the story of the breaker to my technicians. It takes maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and it goes something like this. When you come across a breaker that is tripped, don't simply reset the breaker and consider yourself lucky and go to your next service call. That's what a parts changer would do. Or a parts changer would change it out, turn it on, and go to the next call. A service technician is going to take the time to evaluate the entire system to find out why the breaker tripped. It could have tripped as a fluke. Maybe it'll never happen again. But there could be a cause for that breaker to have tripped. And let's talk about some of those causes. For example, we could have low standing voltage. The voltage as measured at the breaker when the system is turned off. If it's too low, then that means we're going to have higher than anticipated amperage. And it's possible that that amperage is going to be higher than the breaker can handle. But that's all because the voltage was low. That'll trip the breaker. It's also possible that there's a problem with the appliance, the condensing unit, the rooftop unit, whatever you're working on. So you would go through that entire system to determine if it's functioning properly. It might have problems. It's possible that our wires are too small. That's why the voltage is too low and the current is too high. High current means high heat. It's going to trip that breaker. It's going to cause premature failure of the fan motor, the compressor, etc. The point is, and the point you're wanting to make with your service technicians is, you don't have to be a salesperson. You're not out there selling breakers or compressors or wires or disconnect. You're just a technician. You're fixing things. You don't have to worry about sales presentations, sales pitches, overcoming objections. It's not like that. You'll have higher service revenue just by doing your job. So you want to train your technicians on how to look at the big picture. And you would do that through stories of each individual component. And I would start with a breaker. So to carry this a little further, many service technicians make the mistake of carrying around 
a non-true RMS multimeter. Most of us have a multimeter. We don't give a lot of thought to the multimeter. Most of us have a clamp meter for major and amperage, and we don't give a lot of thought to that either. If those instruments are not what's called true RMS, root means square is what that stands for, then they are not as accurate as they need to be in many cases. It's not so important to have a voltage meter that is true RMS, but it is very important to have an amp meter, a clamp meter, that is true RMS. You pay a little more money for it, but it gives you a much more accurate reading. I have had a non-true RMS show me 45 amps draw, and a true RMS show me 60 amps draw. That's obviously a huge difference. You can see with the wrong meter, you could condemn a breaker that is perfectly fine, or you could determine that the breaker is perfectly fine when it isn't, just by having the wrong meter. So I would encourage you to look into a true RMS meter, if you haven't already, and be sure that your technicians at least have an amprobe or a clamp meter that is true RMS. You'll find out, once you've had a class, and again, I'm only talking about 20 minutes, once you've had a class on the breaker, and you've talked about the importance of having the proper tools, and the importance of measuring the standing voltage, the running voltage, operating voltage, the operating current, the importance of checking out the condensing unit, that's what you're working on, and working your way all the way back to the contactor. Are all the terminals tight? Once you've had that seminar, you will notice that your breaker sales are going to increase. Your service revenue is going to increase. Why? Well, two things. If your service technician wasn't aware of these things, then they are naturally going to do a better job, and that means they're going to sell more labor, more parts. But in addition to that, and this is important, even if your technician understood these things, they need to be reminded of these things, and they need to be told or reassured it's okay to replace parts that appear to be okay. It's okay to not just simply flip on a breaker. You're better off checking out the entire system and giving the customer a thorough evaluation. They will pay for it, but technicians have to be reminded of this. Finally, I would leave a technician with one thought. Is it better to hit the client, your customer, with one $600 invoice or three $200 invoices? Well, which is it? It's one $600 invoice, right? So picture yourself. You walk up to your client and you say, well, I have your situation figured out. I did A, B, and C, and I think you're in good shape. I shouldn't be back for a while. Your total investment is 611.32. What method of payment would you like to use? And the client goes, oh my gosh, 611.32? Oh. Oh, wow, my, my husband's going to kill me. My wife's going to kill me. What did you do out there? They'll get over it. They'll then say, do you take Visa? Do you take MasterCard? 
and they will pay you and you're gone. Now, assuming that you don't come back and fix something else, they are going to forget about the price and they will enjoy their comfort. But imagine this. You walk up to them and say, well, good news, it was just a breaker. Your total investment today is 20150. Huh, 20150 for a breaker? Yeah. Okay. And they pay you. And then you're back in a month putting in a motor for another three or four hundred. How do you think they'll feel? Well, they're going to feel that the first service call was invalid. They're going to feel like the first person, it could have been you, didn't know what they were doing. They're going to feel like the first service call was a waste of money, and it's the second service call that was the correct service call. So you're better off hitting somebody with one big invoice than two or more small invoices that might equal the same amount. You want to go out and do a complete and thorough job. Even if it's expensive, the customer will appreciate it as long as you don't come back. And that makes you look bad, makes the company look bad. Look, think of it like this. You are an airplane mechanic. Picture an airplane mechanic. Does an airplane mechanic wait until the part fails before they replace it? Would you be comfortable with that airplane? I wouldn't be. Imagine an airplane mechanic says, look, I'm not going to replace a tire until it's flat because I don't want to rip anybody off. I don't want to replace a compressor until it stops compressing because I don't want to rip anyone off. I don't want to replace parts until they've failed because you never know how much more life you'll get out of that part, right? <laughs> well, you wouldn't accept that with an airplane that could fall out of the sky. But you don't have to accept that with a vehicle either. You could say, you know what? I understand your brakes work, but they need to be replaced. I understand your spark plugs still fire, but they need to be replaced. It's better to do these things before they fail in a car, an airplane, or a comfort system. So you have to think of yourself as a technician and more importantly, as an airplane technician who replaces things before they fail. We've talked a lot about the breaker. There's a lot of other parts that you can talk about. And remember, each one of these each one of these individually is a meeting with your service technicians. Now, not every day. You don't want to bore them to death. You don't want to kill them. But imagine a 30-minute conversation about each of these parts every week. Let's next talk about the story of the contactor. Here I have a common 30-amp two-pole contactor. Now, this contactor was replaced not long ago. And it actually worked just fine. There was nothing wrong with it. So did we rip off the customer because we got away with replacing a contactor that was still working? Not at all. In fact, we showed the client what was wrong. We talked to them about their options. And she gave us permission to replace it. Good idea. She made a good decision. Now, keep in mind, because the contactor still worked, she could have said, leave it alone, and we would have. If it had failed, there'd be no choice, obviously. We would need to replace the contactor. Let me explain. This contactor has two, four, six, eight 
surfaces that conduct electricity in those contacts. So we have four sets of contactors. That's eight surfaces. Those surfaces are made out of steel and they're coated with silver, or roughly 10 microns of silver. Why silver? Well, it's cheaper than gold, number one, but silver is largely an inert substance, meaning it won't rust easily. It won't oxidate. So they use silver. The better contactors probably have more silver than the cheaper contactors. As that silver begins to wear away, and it wears away through normal contact, it also wears away when the contacts are cheaply made and they move on one another. So the contacts should close like this, but they could also close like this. Cheaper contactors, that's going to wear that silver away. Cheaper contactors might have less silver. But that's, that is why these contacts begin to oxidize and begin to turn black. Now, if you take out your multimeter and you measure the resistance against these closed contacts, it's quite possible that you will have no resistance. But keep in mind, multimeters, standard multimeters, they only measure relatively high resistance. They were largely built to test resistors. And as you know, a resistor's job is to do what? Resist electricity. You are carrying a multimeter whose job it is is to check resistors. It's not a good instrument to determine whether or not the resistance across these contacts is acceptable because they are not supposed to offer resistance. Look, the bottom line is this. Tell your technicians it is okay to think like an airplane mechanic. What would an airplane mechanic do when they encounter a contactor like this? Well, it's not a trick question. They'll replace it, right? If they work for an airline, they'll replace it. If they work for a homeowner or a business owner, they might tell them it needs to be replaced, and they'll explain the story that I just explained to you about the contactor, how it works, and how it's about to fail. Now, these things never seem to fail at a convenient time, and that's worth mentioning to your client. It's not like they will fail at a time that works out well for you. They always seem to fail at a time that's bad for us, like the weekend or on a hot day. So you're better off replacing the contactor before it fails. Now, what does this do for your company? It increases revenue. How? Through better diagnostics. Why? Because the service technician is a better salesman. No, they're a better service technician. Does that mean the same thing? Isn't that the same thing as selling more stuff? Yes, but they're not salespeople. At least we don't call them salespeople. We call them service technicians, something they're proud to be labeled as such, and we explain to them the art of diagnostics and that will naturally result in higher revenue and everybody wins. We've talked about breakers. We've talked about contactors. I'd like to leave you with one more example of better diagnostics. And remember, we could go through every component, whatever industry you're in, 
you could go through all the major components and talk to your technicians about how to diagnose eminent component failure before it's an inconvenience for your clients. That's the art of diagnostics. Looking at the whole picture, determining why the component failed, if it has in fact failed, why did it fail? Did the component wear out? Did something else fail and it caused this to fail? Are the operating conditions incorrect, such as low standing voltage, low operating voltage, high amp, that means high heat, is airflow a problem, etc. Think about the whole picture. Every week you're having a meeting about 30 minutes long where you're explaining how to diagnose that particular component and maybe you allow 25 minutes for Q&A. The next component I want to talk about is the fan motor. And I'd like to tell you a story about when I replaced a perfectly good fan motor and I got away with it. Now, certainly, you know there's more to this story because I said perfectly good and got away with it. And I was, I was tempted to do the quote things with the fingers, perfectly good, uh, and I just did it. Didn't want to do that. When I replaced this perfectly good fan motor, obviously it wasn't perfectly good. So I want to tell you the story that you might share with your technicians or at least a similar story that you've encountered. One time, we were asked to go out to a strip center where there were all these rooftop units, a client we'd worked for for years. They wanted us to repair a rooftop unit, which we condemned. We condemned the rooftop unit. We gave him a price on a new rooftop unit, and we didn't hear from him for weeks. Finally, he called us back and he said, look, I've got a vacant unit that I can't seem to rent. It's close by. I would like you to move the rooftop unit from that unit to the other unit that you condemned. So we're going to replace the condemned rooftop unit with this other rooftop unit that seemed functional. So he asked us to come out and look at it and make a determination as to what it would cost. We went out and looked at that rooftop unit and we did your basic inspection. But we went one step further. In addition, in addition to doing all the things that most technicians would do, we used a megohm meter. A lot of people call them megers or megometers. A megohm meter. The megohm meter its job is to measure extremely high resistances. So you would use a megaohmmeter, I just call them megometers, you would use that to measure the integrity of the insulation of the motors and the compressor and other components. In this case, we tested the condensing fan motor, it was fine. We tested the blower motor, it was fine. Now remember, in addition to measuring voltage and amperage, which is fine, the megaohm meter checks the resistance of the internal motor windings, which is really important because you can't see them typically. And you don't know if that resistance is breaking down. This instrument allows you to do that. So anyway, we tested the compressor and discovered that the compressor was probably going to fail quickly. It didn't have a lot of life left in it. Now, how did we know that? Because we measured 
the integrity of the motor insulation, the wire insulation inside the compressor. As you probably know, most of the time these motor windings are simply varnished and that's the insulation. The motor windings are bathed in refrigerant and oil and everything's good as long as that varnish is in good shape. But as that varnish begins to wear away through moisture, impurities, heat, other factors, then the megometer will discover that through your test. So the, the megometer allows you to see just how much resistance the motor winding varnish, the insulation, is putting up. We told the owner that this compressor was going to fail. And he didn't believe us. He didn't say that he didn't believe us, but you could just tell by his demeanor and he was all mad that we didn't want to move the unit and I think he believed we wanted to sell him a new rooftop unit and it didn't go well. So we didn't hear from this guy. Now keep in mind he was a good client. We were out at this strip center a lot. We didn't hear from this guy for almost a year and then he called us one day to tell us that another company moved the rooftop unit and it failed only a few months later. So where have you been all this time? He said, I've bounced around between different companies and I just didn't want to call you back and tell you what happened, but I am. So I'd like to have you take care of our equipment again. And I'm sorry for the whole thing. So we got him back, that was good. The next time we ran a service call, I was out there working on one of his rooftop units. And I told him that his fan motor was about to fail. And I told him how I knew it using the megometer. And guess what he did? He said, replace it. Why? Because at that point, he thought we were geniuses. This instrument that he thought was hocus pocus phony, the mega ohm meter, it, it now is believable. It's something that he believed. So when I told him the fan motor was about to fail, he thought about the compressor that we told him was about to fail and ultimately it did. Now he thinks we know everything. So he allowed us to replace the perfectly good, I did it didn't I, motor without an argument. So here's the point. Most technicians don't have mega ohm meters and they're a great investment. You can get, a, you can get one for $100. Keep in mind your multimeter is not capable of doing this. Your multimeter was built to measure the resistance level on resistors. Resistors are supposed to resist. Insulation does not. The megometer uses extremely high voltage, very low amperage to test the resistance value of things that are not supposed to allow current to flow through them. So they're highly specialized. They're a great investment. Your service technician should each carry one. And what you want to do is explain the importance of them and then tell them next week or whenever we're going to be handing them out and training everyone in, on their use. Now in this video, I don't want to get into the specifics of how they work and how to use them. There's great videos on YouTube already. Some of the manufacturers have their own, but I would introduce the story of the Megometer to them 
and why they're important and then let them know as a follow-up you're going to be handing them out and training them on how to use them. And I think once you do, you're going to see higher revenue. Why? Because your service technicians are getting better at selling. But they're not really selling. They are and they aren't. You get my point, right? We don't want to talk to them about selling more stuff. We just want to talk to them about being better technicians, about using better tools, about understanding those tools and what they mean. We want to train them on how to explain this to the client. So the client says yes more often. And that will naturally increase your service revenue. I'll leave you with this. It's a metaphor you probably heard before. Is your doctor a salesperson? Yes, they are. But I don't think they want to be called a salesperson. I don't think they consider themselves a salesperson. But I bet you wouldn't want to go to a doctor who refused to sell. I've met service technicians who proudly tell me, I don't sell anything. I'm not a salesperson. And I ask them, do you have children? Yes. Would you take them to a pediatrician who refused to sell them anything? Like an x-ray? Like a cast? Like an MRI? Refused to sell them an antibiotic or an injection that was important? No. But you just don't consider themselves a salesman because they're a doctor. But you're a technician. You're just, as good a you're just as good and just as important as a doctor, right? You're not a salesperson. You're just doing your job. Don't think of yourself as a salesperson. But understand, you do need to do your job. And oftentimes, that means you are recommending that they buy something. Now, that's some awesome content from James right there. I love that guy. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about this topic, I want to encourage you to sign up for the 30-day free trial by clicking Join at the top of this page. This is just a small piece of the process, and you need the whole thing to make it all work. Well, folks, that's the show for this week. Stay tuned next week. We're going to be discussing how to talk to your team about money and where all that money goes. Until then, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now.